0: You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad and uh, the island of Ireland has a very, very, very strong tradition of being literate in more ways than one, between, whether it be on stage, whether it be within music, but also when it comes to writing and it goes way back. And whatever it is, I don't know if it's in the water or if it's in the air or whatever it is, but there are creative minds and those creative minds use their creativity in a very productive fashion. Coming up on the 1st of June at 7pm at St. Bridget's, John Carson is coming in from Belfast and Jan is, it's a writer's evening. And uh, the coordinates for that, you can get tickets for that at com, And we'll repeat that coming at the end. But Jan is a writer from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Her books include Malcolm Orange Disappears in 2014, uh, Children's Children 2016, Postcard Stories 2017, and the Firestarters 2019, uh, which won the EU Prize for Literature in 2019 and The Raptures. But she's originally from Ballymena, and uh, I'm delighted to, to have an opportunity to say hi, Julie, and welcome. Oh, sorry, Jan.
1: Yeah, Jan. Ju- Julianne is my real name, but um, we'll not tell anybody that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I've always so, been Jan.
0: So you've got you know, my, my, my cousin from Belfast is Julianne. Um, so what you did was, because you speak so far, fast, Julianne just became Jan.
1: I think when I was really little apparently I called myself Jilly Jan and then it became this sort of family pet name was Jan and I started primary school as Jan and I've i kind of forgotten that I am Jillian Ann until I look at my passport. Yeah.
0: So Jan, um a bit about yourself and your um your literary background, uh your writing, your your influences and um how where things are at.
1: Yeah, um, so I did my undergrad at Queen's in Belfast in 1998 and I did English literature back then. And I think I've always been a massive reader, absolutely devour books. Um, I read about 300 books a year, um, but I'd never actually wrote. I had a feeling that I might like to, but I didn't start writing until my late 20s and I took a job in Portland, in Oregon, on the, in the Pacific Northwest, and it, Portland is such a great writer city. It has one of the best bookstores in the world and um, something in, in the water there got me started. So I came back from Portland after three and a half years, um, having written lots of short stories and begun my first novel. Um, and I got my first novel published in 2014. And um, it's actually, this is the anniversary this week of my first publication. So I, I first realised I've done eight books in nine years. Which is uh, some going, um, and they've been translated quite a lot. I've uh, fourteen translations of the Fire Starters, and that's uh, taken me around the world to lots of different, really interesting places to
0: talk about books. So, Jan, when you were at school, uh, I know when I was at school, uh, there was usually the the book produced by the for the students uh probably in your second last year before you would have done your a levels um was there anything at that when you were at school and did you were you a contributor to the school magazine
1: oh yes and i wrote some really terrible poems <laughs> um your, your parents are awful for keeping some of those things <laughs> they just disappear um, I think back then I was scribbling at poetry, but I—I I know I'm definitely I'm a, a novelist first and foremost. I love the novel format, but mm. I also write short stories too. So my next collection will be a short story collection, um, and I love writing for radio as well. So I write quite a bit for Radio Four, mm. and like yourself, Austin, I used to have my own radio show in Ballamena. So I I love radio. I think
0: yes, it's I always find radio as intimate because it's to me you're speaking to one person.
1: Yeah, I think when my producer always tells me you're trying to broker a connection with the listener, the the best radio drama is kind of like, come on, lean in, I'm going to tell you something that I'm not telling anybody else.
0: Yeah, and and to me, it's also intimate because people listen to radio on their own, whereas they watch TV as maybe or whatever, and it's passive. So to me, that's the beauty of radio is the intimacy of the conversation.
1: And also, radio doesn't do all the work for you. If you're telling a story on radio, you ha- you're relying on the listener's imagination to fill in the gaps, whereas television is a format that does a lot of the work for the viewer. Correct. Uh, so I
0: love that. So when you talk in terms of, that would be script writing in that scenario, between script writing, poetry, the short story and the novel, yes. four, four very different formats.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, I don't touch poetry at all anymore. I do write um, something called micro fictions, which are tiny little 200 word stories. I write them on the back of postcards and I post them to people and they would have a tendency to be quite poetic, but they're still stories. Um, and I, I really do find the novel is the easiest form for me because it's, it's a bit of grace in a novel. Um, you can put a bit of flab in, whereas yeah. in a short story, there's no room for anything that that doesn't need to be there.
0: Where do you buy your postcards? <laughs> because uh, it's, nearly, it's by that I mean it's an obsolete form of communication nearly.
1: You know I'm so lucky, Austin, because I've got this name for I've written 2,000 of these postcard stories, and I okay. um, during lockdown I sent them to people in nursing homes. Okay. Um, so people actually gathered. Postcards up for me, and I often get sent vintage ones, you know, postcards from the 70s and the 80s. And people will come up to me at readings and with a wee envelope, and it's full of postcards for me to write on, which is lovely.
0: When you mentioned the lockdown, um, that was a tough time for a lot of people. Uh, some creative minds found it challenging to continue to be creative, and others found it a tremendous period. To be creative, how did it work for you?
1: Um, so I, I had a kind of lockdown of two halves. The first half I, I had been traveling. I'd done 30 countries in 2019 and I was really tired. And so it was just the most amazed opportunity to rest, to write, to read. I lived by myself, so I really, really enjoyed the solitude. And then the second half of lockdown, my daddy actually got sick and passed away. And that experience of being by yourself in isolation, Um, I didn't write anything for about six months. Um, And it's just in the last sort of year or so that it started to come back again, the writing. I found it really hard to harness my imagination.
0: And when you talk in terms of harnessing your imagination, your imagination, as is everybody's imagination, is the sum total of every experience up until this point in time.
1: Yeah, I mean... I think what's what's lovely um when you work with children and I sometimes do schools work and they have no problem with imagination you know you ask them to make a story up and you get crazy stories about you know robot jellyfish and aliens and all sorts of things and somewhere between there and, and adulthood a lot of us the imagination muscle gets a bit rusty and it's a joy when you're working with students older students and you can get them to reawaken that imagination because there are stories everywhere you know they're all around us we're just sometimes not paying attention to them
0: i remember in a past career saying to some of my colleagues that in dealing with people dare to be outrageous but not obnoxious yeah and in a way what what we are curtailed in being outrageous
1: yeah, I mean, I like a little bit of outrageousness as as much as the next person. I'm my, my uh, genre that I work in is usually magical realism, so there are there's quite a bit of the supernatural and strange things in my book and or my books, and a lot of readers the first time they come to my work, they're very, well, what is this? I like it, but I don't know what it is. i <laughs> I love that kind of shock factor of giving people something new to to um to work with.
0: So where um, or when did you decide that, well, before you uh, made writing a career, what were you doing in the...
1: Um, So I'm very lucky. I've always worked in the arts. Um, Here in Northern Ireland, the community arts engagement has played a really big role in the peace and reconciliation process. So I was um, programming festivals. I worked for the city council for a long time, engaging older people in arts projects um so when i started my writing career started that was great because i had a lot of contacts already in the the publishing world and the book world and i also i love that that experience has given me so much material you know particularly working with older people they are just these treasure troves of experience and wisdom. And um, I've never, I never steal a person's story and put it wholly into a book. But I often, there's little bits of, of the people that I've met and some of my characters and mannerisms. And um, I think it's a, a really lovely way to honour them.
0: And would you say you dived or dove into writing career or did you slide in from the shallow end to you put, <laughs> <laughs> did you put uh, your toe in the water while you were still working or did you quit um yeah the, the, i was, yeah, I was the quite same...
1: canny so i published my first i'm counting here i published my first three books while i was working full-time and i also did my master's i did a master's in theology at the same time and then i knew that i wanted to make the slide towards full-time writing so that last year i did a lot of every council course you could do on like self-promotion and public speaking and (laughs) i did them all um and i began to build up some clients and things no there's very few writers in the world that make enough money off solely writing Mm -hmm. so i still teach and i mentor and i do community arts projects and commissions so um there's a lot of how would you say, writing adjacent stuff that writers do to make money.
0: Right. Um, Extra, yeah. Extracurricular activities.
1: Yeah, but mostly it's related to writing or reading yeah. in some way.
0: Um, so, Jan, when you made that transition, had you any sense of where it was going to take you?
1: Um I think yes, because I'd published the three books. I mm-hmm. At that point I'd got an agent. I had um, got my first big deal with Penguin, so I knew I was heading in the right direction. This was a good time to jump. Um, I don't think what I didn't envision was that first book I published after I, I left work. It won the EU Prize for Literature for Ireland and subsequently went on to be translated into a lot of different languages, which opened up travel. Um, so, for you know, I'm often about 60% of the year on the road, and that's not something I envisaged um, as a writer, but I really enjoy it.
0: And naturally, we all know that travel expands the horizons of the mind, so it and it provides you with um, material, even subliminally, that you may yeah. not have anticipated, but. And it- it's
1: just such an honor, Austin, to get to meet other writers. Like the thing about being a Northern Irish writer is, you often get paired with what I would call people from diff- other difficult places. Um, so I would often get paired with writers from Bosnia and Ukraine and Palestine and places with a history of conflict or division. Mm-hmm. And you learn so much. Like mm-hmm. you're just constantly these are pieces of histories and stories that I'm not as familiar with as I should be. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's just, it's brilliant. You come back to Northern Ireland having seen um, your own experiences in a different context and learn a bit about the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And that type of exposure, I think, helps all of us who experience different environments to recognise the similarities and the differences between yeah. our own situations.
1: Absolutely. And it's weird where the similarities pop up. And um, I, I just, it keeps keeps bringing me back. I mean, I was born in 1980, right in the middle of the Troubles. And back then we had very few visitors to the north and there were, it was difficult to get out. You know, travel wasn't as cheap or as easy as it is now. And that perspective of seeing the world as other people are experiencing it, I think young people really need to see some of that. You know, it's, it's where a lot of the the ignorance i think comes from in in the north that a lot of our young people have never had the opportunity to see how other people are living and uh, experiencing the world Mm -hmm. so I i wish everybody got a chance to do some of this
0: and sadly that's not unique because you know the same it doesn't it doesn't matter what part of the world you're in i think where there is any type of um difference of opinion part of the reason for is that it's people haven't been able to stand back to see the forest from the trees
1: yeah no absolutely and I mean it's one of the the great things I think about the arts you know you don't actually have to leave Belfast to experience the rest of the world if you're a reader or if you love cinema you get the the world comes to you and you know for me as a wee girl growing up in a very conservative Presbyterian home in Ballymena Books were my portal into like learning what was going on across the world. Um, and I I just think I'm a big believer in libraries and get, getting children access to libraries early on.
0: So, Jan, you're arriving over here for the 1st of June. Yeah. And um, as I said earlier, and we'll repeat, it's a 7pm and tickets can be uh, purchased if you head on to com that's B R I G I D S com and you'll find a link there if you go on the events you'll find a link there that will bring you to it. Um, the um, literature as I said at the top as well is something that is very much an ingrained part of who we are and there is a tremendous appreciation uh, on this side of the Atlantic for the perspective that the Irish writer brings to the table. Uh, I'm hopeful that when you get here, that you and I get the opportunity to shake hands. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to meeting you. And it's been a tremendous opportunity to to chat and uh, wish all the best in your travels between now and when you get here.
1: Thank you, Austin. It's been lovely to chat to you.